Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about who's fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, UFC 256 is live from Las Vegas, headlined once again by Davison Figueredo. Two pay-per-views in a row. This guy is an absolute animal. But of course, this is the prelim primer, so we're not going to spend too much time here on Davison Figueredo. Instead, we are all in on the prelim portion of this card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and wondering to yourself... Why just the prelims here? Why not talk about the entire card or even just the most exciting fights? The answer is really simple. The answer is we know you know about those exciting fights. We know that you know about who Tony Ferguson is and Davison Figueredo and Junior Dos Santos. But you probably don't know some of these people on the prelim portion. And that's what we're here for. Because there's tons of money to be won in both daily fantasy sports and if you're gambling on these prelims right here. Which, you know, obviously that's where some of the biggest edge comes. And speaking of getting an edge, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode is brought to you by AJsMMABetting.com. Now, I do want to mention that there is a domain change for this site. It is AJmmabetting.com. That new link is for you guys in the show notes. It is newly rebranded, so take note. And let me tell you something. I've been telling you week after week about AJ, but the awesome thing about him is that unlike the other companies who offer gambling advice, He's not just a list of fighters or teams that you can put down money on each week. He does much, much more than that. He provides his customers with both picks, but also an education that you can use for years to come. And he does that through his in-depth breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox. I highly suggest checking out AJ's MMA Prediction Podcast because you can get tons of good information on there. Sometimes they even have awesome guests, so make sure to check that out. Once again, that's AJ's MMA Betting You certainly won't be sorry that you headed on over there. Now, to help me break down the fights today, I am joined by the owner, operator, and host of Between Rounds Radio, Ryan Jarrell. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, as you guys know, we start every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda. So Swanson had a four-fight losing streak, but he broke that losing streak last time out when he beat Cron Gracie by decision. Before that, he had lost to some killers in Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar, Hanato Moicano, and Shane Burgos. So no shame in any of those losses, but he's back on the winning ways. Pineda also back in the winning ways. He spent six years outside of the UFC. He returned and stole all of Herbert Burns' hype train by getting a TKO by Crucifix. So obviously Pineda looked really good in the ground game his last time up. But the thing is that Swanson has been pretty good at preventing that part of the game. He did so against Cron Gracie last time out. He didn't even go to the ground against Cron Gracie. Do you think he can avoid it here against Pineda? I think so. I mean, when you look at Cub Swanson, he is the the gamer of, of all games. I mean, this guy is just he, – he was born and bred to fight. And, you know, he is 37 years old, so he's been around for a while. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned those four losses. I mean, Burgos, Mocano, uh, Frankie Edgar, Ortega. I mean, this guy only loses to the best. You go back into his career, he loses uh, to Max Holloway, you know, Ricardo Lamas. And he's beaten somebody, somebody by the name of uh, Jeremy Stevens, for one, and a guy named Dustin Poirier, who I'm sure you've 
heard of. So it just goes to show that although Cub Swanson isn't the Cub of yesteryear, he's still pretty darn good. And I, I feel like he still has some, some juice left in the tank. Again, his re, his only recent losses are to killers. Uh, and that was an impressive win over Kron Gracie. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does here in this fight. This is one where I feel like, I mean, I haven't looked at the odds, but I feel like he should be favored. And, and Pineda has those two no contests uh, at PFL where he tested positive for PED. So that's going to be interesting to see what Daniel Pineda shows up in this fight. But uh, I do think Cub can keep this on the feet. And if he's on the feet, he's a dangerous out for anyone. For sure, for sure. And I will note that the, actually Cub Swanson is a, a decent-sized underdog in this fight. He's betting off at plus 135. So if you do like that pick here, you are getting underdog money on him. The thing that worries me a little bit about Cub Swanson here is the wrestling defense. And I, I mentioned that he kept the feed against Cron Gracie, which is certainly a good thing. But to me, Cron Gracie has kind of been one of those grapplers who, if he has you down, you're in trouble. Getting you down, however, is a little bit more of an issue for him. And, and you can see that in the jiu-jitsu world, too, not just in the, the MMA world. He's not a takedown beast. I mean, it took him kicking off the cage to really get Alex Caceres down, who, who's not a phenomenal defensive wrestler either. And you look back at Cub Swanson, he's conceding takedowns to Hanato Moicano. He actually gave up two takedowns to Artem Lobov. You know, three to uh, Kawajiri, like seven to Frankie Edgar the first time he fought him. Like, his takedown defense has never been sparkly. So, I mean, against a guy like Daniel Pineda with an amateur wrestling background and 850 submissions in his career, I worry a little bit. So, it sounds like you're leaning Cub Swanson. You like him here. Uh, how do you see him getting the job done? Well, I mean, I, again, I, all due respect to Daniel Pineda, I, I agree with everything you said. He, this is a tough, this is a tough matchup for Cub Swanson, especially at 37 years old. Um, I am leaning towards Cub. I, I do feel like this is one of those fights where, man, if he loses again, uh, you know, his career is going to be maybe in a in a spiral. Who knows, you know, what the UFC will do from there. So I do think he's going to win. I think he has some some unbelievable scrambling, so he can get back up to the feet if he is taken down. Uh, I think he wins by decision, but. It, could be a close fight i'm gonna take Pineda here i'm also gonna take it by decision because like you said he is such a tough out and if you look at those losses he's gotten recently you know a lot of them are by decision you know shane burgos didn't get him out of there frankie edgar didn't get him out of there i don't think uh pineda the type to get him out either so i'm gonna take Pineda though by decision because i think he wins enough in the wrestling department and that brings us to our next fight which is mckenzie dern versus Vierna Jandaroba. dern on a two-fight winning streak with wins over hannah cyphers and randa marcos both of those by submission Jandaroba also on a two-fine win streak, also back-to-back submissions, Mallory Martin and Felice Herrig for her. So obviously four submissions in the last four fights between the two of them. We all would love to see this fight on the map, but let's start with this. Does it get there? You know, I, I feel like it very well could get there. Again, it's really all going to depend on, you know, what these two ladies come out with, with a certain game plan. Um, you know what? For the fans, th this should be played out on the mat. I mean, what? why not? <laughs> Let's get it down on the mat and, and see the skills, which you know both of these ladies are, are, are well-versed in. Uh, I do think that this is probably, and hopefully you'll agree with me, the um, the toughest test probably for Mackenzie Dern so far. I mean, Verna, she's 16-1. and one. She's legitimate. I mean, Felice Herrig talk about another gamer that's that's a that's a girl that always comes and brings it and she was able to get her out in the first round so this is going to be a, a really interesting matchup i don't know if it goes to the mat but i sure hope it does so i'm just going to lean that way and say i hope it goes to the mat i hope it goes to the mat too but the interesting thing to me too is i think if janda roba doesn't want it to it doesn't i'll start off by saying that i don't think mackenzie dern can out wrestle her because if you look at janda roba against carla esparza the only fight on her record that's a loss 
she actually stuffed Carla Esparza like five or six times and made her, her wrestling offense look not so good. Uh, granted, she gave up a couple early, but she didn't give up any after she had she had seen what, what Carla Esparza had. And Mackenzie Dern's wrestling is not as good. So I think if Jandaroba wants it on the feet, it stays on the feet. And that also brings up the question, maybe Jandaroba is the only one who winds up with top game here. And man, I don't know that, that Dern subs her off her back. So that certainly brings up a weird question. It's like, is this a terrible matchup for Mackenzie Dern? Like you said, it's definitely the hardest one she's had so far. And we're unfortunately at the end of that first round. So I got to get your pick. Do you think it's bad enough that she loses this one? She very well could. I, I mean, the one thing that, that keeps coming to my mind when I look at this matchup is Mackenzie Dern, she, she's pretty thick for this weight class. I think she cuts a lot of weight. She could be the, the more solid fighter come fight night. That, you know, remains to be seen. But if that's the case, that could benefit her, especially if this fight goes, you know, long. I know the UFC is, is behind uh, Mackenzie Dern and they want her to win because she's got a great look and she could be built into a star. So I'm going to lean Dern, but hesitantly I, I easily could see her uh, losing this one yeah I'm gonna take Jandaroba on this one too we're gonna differ on both of them because I think Jandaroba's got a little bit of an advantage on the feet and like I said being able to be controlled the position here uh I, I like her in this fight for that reason and that's gonna do it for the end of our first round we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back with round number two And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ'sMMABetting.com. Once again, that updated link is down in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does when he breaks down fights for you guys is that he's not just looking at who's the best, why they think he's going to win, but he's going to give you both sides of that coin, why that person has some pros, but also some cons in there so that you can continue to learn, make meaningful decisions, and at the end of the day, have some great plays because he's got them there for you. All the subscribers are raving about how great AJ'sMMABetting.com is. So I highly suggest checking that out. Go there right now. That link is in the show notes. Or make sure you follow him on Twitter. Same thing, at AJ'sMMABetting. You won't be sorry that you did. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Billy Quarantillo versus Gavin Tucker. Quarantillo, 3-0 in the UFC. He knocked out Jake Kilburn, beat Spike Carlisle by decision, and then knocked out Kyle Nelson. Gavin Tucker, meanwhile, since returning from a two-year layoff, he has gotten two rear naked choke victories. The first one over Sung Woo Choi, and the second one over Justin Jane. So, Billy Quarantillo seems like the kind of guy who enjoys a good old-fashioned slugfest, and in his first two UFC fights, Gavin Tucker obliged his opponents in those. Since then, he's been a little bit more conservative, do you think Quarantillo can sucker him into that old style, that old slugfest style in this one? That is the question. You know, I'm not 100% certain if he's going to be able to or not. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, these guys are, are, are alpha dogs that want to get in there and scrap. But sometimes, you know, the, the smarter fighter, you know, will stick to his game plan and not be pulled into a fight like that. That remains to be seen. And quite honestly, I haven't really seen enough of, of Gavin Tucker to know if he can be uh, pulled into a fight like that. But Billy Corantillo, this is a well-rounded guy and, and he's very tough. He, he's good everywhere. 
I was really impressed. Obviously, as you mentioned, he got that, that KO win over Kyle Nelson, but I really like Spike Carlisle. That was a big win for me. I know he just lost to Bill Algio, um, so maybe his stock is a little bit down, but uh, that's another tough guy. And Billy Quarantillo has, has really shown uh, that he's someone to be reckoned with. And, and, and Gavin Tucker being 12-1, and one, with that big win, especially over Justin James, man, I like that kid. Uh, that's going to be a really interesting match. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Justin James, too, because I think that that win over Justin James is what's giving me, and I actually do have quite a bit of confidence here in Gavin Tucker, the 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 reason I have faith in Gavin Tucker here is that win over Justin James, who is a guy who suckers people in to absolute slugfest, right? Like Justin James went out there and just threw down with with Frank Camacho. Granted, that was a quick one, and then in his most recent fight with Gabriel Benitez, he threw down and you like got Benitez to kind of fight his kind of fight, even though he didn't wind up winning it. And I just see like. The fact that Gavin Tucker avoided that kind of fight against Justin James and just stuck to the game plan of shooting a takedown, being resilient on top, man, and Quarantillo is a guy who concedes a couple of takedowns, right? Like, he, he conceded three against Spike Carlisle, who you mentioned, who's really not much of a wrestler, right? Like, we know Spike Carlisle is being exciting from those big, heavy hands he threw at Alon Cruz and knocked him silly, so... Uh, I mean, it's a tough one to call, but I'm going to go with Gavin Tucker and I'm going to take him here. I actually think he gets a submission. So I'm going to go Gavin Tucker by submission. Sounds like you're leaning Quarantillo. How do you see him getting it done? No, I, I actually am leaning uh, Tucker as well. I, I, I really think that he's going to be able to win a fight here via um, unanimous decision. I don't think he's going to be able to finish Quarantillo. I think I think Billy is extremely tough, and, and I, I keep coming back to that word gamer. He's a gamer, man, and, and I'm really excited to see this matchup. It's one of the closer ones on the card, the undercard or the main card, but I am leaning towards Tucker, but I think it's going to be a decision. Awesome. Okay, so we did agree on one, and we're going to move on to the next one, which I have a feeling we're going to disagree on as well, and that's Sergey Spivak versus Jared Vandera. Spivak, 2-2 two two in the UFC. He most recently won a decision over Carlos Felipe, but he has gone back and forth. Win-loss, win-loss in the UFC. Vandera, 11-4, making his UFC debut. Of course, you might know him from the Contender Series, where he picked up a TKO victory over Harry Hunsucker. So, the, the thing that's really interesting to me in this one, and the thing that is sort of the deciding factor for me, is that the cardio. Spivak has a lot of pace on the feet, and we've never really seen Vandera go all that late, especially on the regional circuit, not in his contender series fight. Do you think he's got enough in the gas tank to hang with Spivak for a while, or does he have to get it done early if he's going to get it done at all? Oh, man, I, I think probably if he's going to get it done, it's going to be early. Um, I, let me just get this right out of the way, first and foremost. I, I've been interviewing Jared for, for years now, uh, and I really like the guy. And I try to be objective all of the time, but but I can't help it with, with this guy in particular. He's just a good human being, and, and I am cheering for him to succeed uh, as a professional mixed martial artist. Having said that, Sergey Spivak is legit. It's a dangerous matchup. I mean, to, to beat Marcy seen Tybura, the unanimous decision that just goes and show you just how legitimate of a fighter you are. Jared Vandera, he's got a chin made of granite. I'm sure you saw that against uh, Hansucker. He got popped numerous times and it didn't even look like he was phased at all. So this guy is, is an absolute animal. I mean, his nickname is the mountain. He's, he's a, he's a mountain of a man. Uh, and one of his main training partners is, is smiling Sam Alvey, who we both know is someone that can push you uh, and help that cardio. So, 
I'm hoping that that's the case. I, I can't pick against Jared, uh, although uh, I am nervous about this fight. As someone that's pulling for the guy, I am nervous, but I got to go with my guy. I wouldn't feel right otherwise. I appreciate that, but I do, I do think you're right, though, with what you said at the very beginning. I think he's got to get it done early. If he gets it done early with a big punch, he's got that power. He could be the type of guy to get that. I just think that if it does go later, and I think he's got the durability to last the whole time, I'm going to take Spivak by decision. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with two more fights in round number three. Hey guys, I just want to tell you what subscribers are saying about AJ's MMABetting.com. That link, once again, is in the show notes. This is from subscriber George, who says, I've been following AJ for several months, and he is ultra impressive. But honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons why I follow. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups are what impressed me the most. It can be hard to separate your emotions and your favorite fighters in this crazy fight game, but AJ seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. And of course, here at the Prelim Primer, we fully agree with George. We think AJ's MMA betting is a must-stop place to get all kinds of gambling advice. So head on over there. Once again, that link's in the show notes. Check it out today. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Chase Hooper versus Slippery Pete Barrett. Hooper, 1-1 one one in the UFC, beat Daniel Tamer by grounded pound in his debut. Followed that up with a loss, a quite a one-sided loss to Alex Caceres. Barrett, meanwhile, debuted in August. He also had kind of a one-sided loss, except it was to Yusuf Zalal. Which of the two really one-sided losses that both of these guys are coming off of is more alarming to you heading into this one? You know, geez, that's t that's a tough call. I mean, they're, they're both legitimate losses. Look, Yusuf Zalal is someone that's going to be around for a while. That guy's a stud. And, you know, although Caceres is a little bit you know, longer in the tooth, he's been around for a while. He's still one of those guys that, you know, is a staple in the division. So I, I don't necessarily look at either one of those losses as, as too big too, too bad because, you know, Hooper, especially super, super young in his career, he went up against a veteran in Caceres and, and, you know, basically just got outsmarted and, and Caceres stuck to a great game plan and, and did his thing. So you got to tip your cap to him there. I'm not mad about the loss to Zalal just because I think he's going to be a top 15, top 10 guy here uh, coming up in, in the next year or two. Uh, the, the question for me here is, is if this fight goes to the ground, I mean, we've seen how good Chase Hooper is on the ground. He's very, his body type is very weird for this division. He's long, he's lanky. He, he can put you in, in really awkward positions. And I know Peter Barrett's got the heart of a lion. He's another guy I know I've interviewed for years out of New England. And, and he's someone that is going to come and bring the fight. It does make me nervous, though, because with his aggression sometimes and bringing the fight, he could get caught in uh, compromising positions. And that uh, makes me a little tentative uh, to want to pick him here in this fight. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with you here. And, and the other thing, too, is, is mentioning the age factor. We've got Chase Hooper. You mentioned young took kind of that prospect he lost to, to Alex Caceres. He's only 21. I expect to see huge changes with him coming into this fight. Huge levels of improvement. Whereas Barrett is 34, he might be new to the UFC, but he is not new to fighting. You mentioned that he's had some troubles on the ground. You don't necessarily trust him on the ground, especially with that aggression. The fight that sticks out to me, if, if you saw his fight with Connor Barry, who's another regional New England guy who I'm a fan of back in Cage Titans, 
he kind of got over aggressive and got caught in that submission. I see something similar probably happening here. I think if he gets too aggressive, I think Hooper's probably made some improvements that we're going to see here in the wrestling department. I know he worked with Ben Askren for this fight. Um, I, I expect him to come out, be a little bit better in the wrestling, probably get Barrett down and get the sub here. How about you? Do you see him getting it done with a sub? Uh, you know, um, unfortunately, I, I do. Uh, I will just say this. If you're if you're a betting man and you're putting together a, a lineup and you're looking for someone like a live dog to, to pick here, Peter Barrett has been through – I mean, his personal life, if, if you know his personal life, he's overcome so much. He, again, heart of a lion. He's tough as they come. I can see him gutting it out and gritting through certain submissions and who knows, maybe putting it on Hooper and putting him to sleep. Um, you know, this is a major, major fight for Peter Barrett at this stage in his career. He needs this win. Um, and it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, my, my head says Hooper. My heart says Barrett. Uh, and I can see it going either way. Um, uh, you can, uh, kind of take it from there because I, I have a tough time picking against uh, Peter Barrett. For sure, for sure. And you're right, too. If, if you do think that this fight is a little bit closer, you can get Peter Barrett at, like, plus 325 right now. So he's a very sizable underdog. So if you've got – you even think it's close to being a coin flipper, you think it could go either way, definitely some value there. And that brings us to our last fight, which is actually made as I was arriving at the studio today. And that's Tisha Torres versus newcomer Sam Hughes, who's filling in for Angela Lee. So let's start with Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres – had a four-fight losing streak. She broke that losing streak last time out by winning over Brianna Van Buren by decision. Those losses, again, similar to, to Cub Swanson, who we talked about earlier, to killers. Jessica Andrade, Joanna Janjacek, Weili Zhang, and Marina Rodriguez. So absolute killers. Sam Hughes, who's taking this fight on about five days' notice. She's 28 years old. She's 5-1 and one in her career. She's coming off of a win back in LFA, 93, just a couple of months ago, where she won by guillotine choke right at the buzzer of the first round over Danielle Hindley, another Northeasterner, as we continue to talk about them. I'm going to kick you off here, Ryan. Let's talk about Tisha Torres. What about her style is so difficult for somebody who's going to be stepping in here with six pro fights on almost no notice? Well, she's the tiny tornado. She's just going to overwhelm you and bring the storm right to you. I mean, it's it's that is one heck of a matchup for for your debut fight coming into the UFC. Ultimate veteran. I mean, look, she's beaten Rose Namajunas before. I mean, she's beaten Angela Hill. She's beat Michelle Waterson, you know, and you mentioned who she loses to. She's losing to Jessica Andrade, Juana Janjacek, Weili Zhang, you know, Marina Rodriguez. It's all the best in the division. This is a very, very tough matchup uh, for Sam Hughes to be coming into on short notice. I mean, I, I, I God bless her for, for stepping up and doing it, uh, but that is, that's a very, very very difficult matchup against a very experienced veteran who sticks to her game plan, who doesn't get, you know, pulled into fights that would not benefit her. I mean, Tisha Torres is, uh, is someone that is a nightmare matchup stylistically, especially for a newcomer. Yeah. And I'm so happy you mentioned that she fights smart into a game plan. Cause I actually think that that's the worst part for Hughes here. Hughes being somebody who likes to catch you in a submission. Like I said, she got the guillotine choke last time out. She's got arm bars off her back. You know, like she, she is takes advantage of people doing the wrong thing. She's literally fighting one of the women who does the best at not doing the wrong thing. Like if you look at Tisha Torres's fights that she has lost, and we mentioned all those names, all of those are by decision. She lost to those women by decision. And that's just absolutely incredible. And hard to imagine that a newcomer here does well enough 
in these exchanges against somebody like her who's polished, who's experienced, and let's be honest, who isn't going to make mistakes. I don't think she does enough. I'm going to take Tisha Torres here. Um, obviously, you're taking Tisha Torres here as well. Tell me, do you think she gets her second finish of her career, or is this a decision waiting to happen? Well, I, you know, I think that is that's the question here. We're going to find out just how good uh, Sam Hughes really is. And I, I would think it honestly, I mean, I'm sure her coaches would never tell her this, but if she can take this to a decision and lose in her UFC debut to a veteran like Tisha Torres, that's kind of a win for your UFC debut. I mean, let's let's face it. I I wouldn't be surprised if if Torres gets the finish here. Uh, and I think that you know a second finish in her uh, illustrious career is something that she's aiming for. So that's what I'll go with. I think she'll get it. Uh, you know, maybe second round. All right, I'm gonna differ with you. I'm just gonna take her by decision because I think again she just fights a little bit too safe for my liking. So I'll take her here by decision. And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. We are all done. We gave you guys six fights, although one somewhat unexpected fight, in just about 15 minutes. I want to thank my co-host today, the host, owner, operator of Between Rounds Radio, Ryan Jarrell. You can, of course, catch him on Twitter at SonOfJarrell20. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thank you as always, my man. Look forward to being on again soon.